Well, hey there, all you DC Comics News fans and DC Comics fans and, and fans of comic movies, uh, DC Comics, TV, and streaming, and comics, and other stuff. We've got it all right here on the home for, well, all the conversation about those great things on a weekly basis, no less. I'm talking about the DC Comics News weekly podcast. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 141, and I am hanging out with a man who one day, one day when he has the podcast that I know is coming, well, let's just say Felicki Fashions will become a household name. I'm talking about Mr. Brad Felicki. Brad, how you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. How about you? Man, I had to be reminded. I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday last week. My wife was like, yeah, I'm going to make this thing and, you know, Thanksgiving. And I'm like, oh, my, it's next week, isn't it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my brain. Like, I just had to sort of like figure out where I was in the calendar. So I, that's where I'm at right now. It's adorable. But don't ask me to mail anything on a certain date for you because I probably couldn't tell you today's date. And it's right before Thanksgiving. So... Yeah, yeah. But thankfully, the dates don't really have as much to do with the ability to read the stories that are printed and share the great details with you and talk about them with Brad. Hopefully the two aren't interconnected. If they are, well, then I'm just going to be a fun host for you in a way I I don't intend to. But if you laugh, well, I'm here to entertain. We're going to kick things off with a, uh, a bit of the somber news, a story I meant to share. I take full responsibility um, a few weeks back when it was first announced and I totally dropped the ball and I wanted to take an opportunity because this is a story that connects closely to my wife as well. It was the uh, first television show that she got into featuring a comic book character, one she knew nothing about but loved because of uh, the interpretation she got to see. On this show, I'm talking about the recent passing of Joanna Cameron, who was the star of The Secrets of Isis and who passed away on October 15th in Hawaii. Uh, Brad, I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. You know, it's always it's always sad with news of someone's passing. Um, this really brought the show back onto my radar. I, I had totally forgotten about it. Uh, and until she did pass away. And now I realize it really did kind of blaze a trail. We we probably wouldn't have the Linda Carter Wonder Woman if we didn't have Secrets of Isis first. So I think that it's a call favorite and a very important show. And uh, I, I'm did glad I am glad that you brought this story to our attention because it, it does deserve coverage. And, and so does she. So, yeah, and in fact, this made me I was at a convention a few weeks ago and they actually had the complete series on dvd so i'm gonna catch back up on it uh, it's it's been too long but uh yeah what about you i was i was heartbroken just at the the idea of a passing of you know a great spirit a great a great light and and i felt from my wife who when we first got the DC Universe app, I remember finding the show on the app and bringing it up and playing for it as a surprise. And she was so overjoyed. Like she instantly reverted to that child who was sitting on the couch, clapping her hands and and loving it. And it was wonderful to share that with her. And I haven't actually recently checked to see if it's one of the shows that migrated onto HBO Max or not. But it was it was just a delight to um, watch her. 
and watched the show kind of through her eyes as she, you know, shared these different things that she remembered about watching it. And as you said, it, it was a trailblazer. It was it was one of those programs that, I mean, took uh, a story that's not nearly as familiar to uh, audiences, I think, as, say, Wonder Woman, and yet you know, made quite the stamp and afterwards left behind a legacy that, that others were able to uh, benefit from. So I think for anyone who can make that kind of mark, I mean, it's a gift. You know, you have an opportunity to uh, always kind of live on as the, uh, the person who brought a character to life and brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, including my wife. So Tracy, this one goes out to you. And may I just say that to those who are mourning her loss more closely as her family, you know, it, it's a blessing to have all the memories that they've they've had. And it, it's a gift to know how much someone they know and loved touched so many people, so many audiences, so many fans. And uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and continue on into the rest of our news today. Leading off our movie news story, we have a recent interview that Henry Cavill gave. And he talked about what he still sees as stories he would like to tell regarding Superman and his thoughts on a few other topics. Brad, what would you think about this? One? Uh, it's, you know, I, I'm glad that he wants to come back to the character. Uh, and it just makes me think, Warner Brothers, what are you doing? Get 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 him back. Uh, I think the universe is trying to tell you to continue the Snyderverse. And I think all the actors and actresses would be uh, willing to come back. I, I think it's time to take that plunge. I think it's what fans want. And I think they'd have more success. And I think we need Henry back. And, you know, and like he said in the article, too, that it's not going to take away from any of the other Superman projects. There's no reason why you can't have his Superman and the Michael B. Jordan Superman. Uh, you know, so I, I just wish Warner Brothers would get their act together. Uh, what about you? Yeah, so with this one, I mean, I think I, I think there's something about the composure and just clear-sightedness that Henry Cavill often brings to a conversation. I feel like he's he's taken um, some sort of perspective, being strung up on the wires and observing the world in a very different way. And in doing so, it's like there are these things that come that maybe for somebody else would would trip them up. But for him, it just sort of seems like, great, it's something new to add to the conversation. And what I love is that he's saying, not only does he still see himself telling stories about Superman, and, and man, that description that he gave about, you know, what it was like to live on after killing Zod, um, and, and realizing that, you know, in the attempt to capture that, how many takes they took. And apparently there were some where he was much more emotional and and the, the grief was much more physical through through tears. So the idea that, that he saw a lot of depth um, within the character at that point and then now is looking back and saying, hey, not only did we start to tell some stories, but we can continue to tell them and I still want to tell them. And I love the fact that then there's like, well, what do you think about, you know, that, that there's the development of... Um, the first black version of Superman 
And he says the the simplest thing that every fan kind of understands who knows who Superman is and what he stands for. He says it's exciting. Superman's more than skin color. And I was like, done. End of interview. End of. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like that's I, what you I have know, to say about it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, I, I can kind of feel like that might seem like a loaded question. Like, well, what do you think about it? Is he going to say something controversial? Well, if you paid any attention to this guy when he does talk, he, he he's very aware of what he intends to do. He's he's never suggested that the things that he he wants to stand for wearing the costume are the things he wants to stand for not wearing the costume. So um, I, I kind of got a kick out of reading that and I just enjoyed you know, hearing his thoughts um, and his just awareness of the fact that I think he says it best in one of the last quotes. They have multiple Superman comic book storylines happening at the same time. Why can't they do this in the movies, basically? Which for me yep. was just, yeah, that's that's exactly what all fans have been saying. So this was a really just sort of fun thing to get his take on. But uh, that was probably the biggest parts that I took away from the story. You know, I was kind of looking for a little bit more. Um so I, I for the most part just had to smile. Like, yeah, that's that's just about exactly what I would expect him to do and say. And <laughs> really hard to you know disagree with it. And Brad, like you said, man, um, I think the universe has spoken. The Snyderverse is there. All you have to do is tap into it, and it, it's it's easy money, as the kids like to say. No, they don't say that. I say that to mock them because. You know, they're stuffy executives, you know, and I'm not a stuffy, stuffy executive. So with that, uh, on a on a note where clearly there's an understanding of exactly what the audience wants and a willingness to offer more of it, at least something I want as an audience, is uh, the announcement that Gal Gadot has confirmed Linda Carter will be in Wonder Woman 3. I, I loved her appearance in 2. Uh, well, more Linda Carter seems like a really great chant. Brad, you with me? More Linda Carter. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, it, it's fun watching them be friends because they've been friends since she you know, was first announced that she was playing Wonder Woman. And one thing that has been a strength of the Wonder Woman movies is both uh, Gal Gadot and Linda Carter really understand the character, what motivates her, what she is, what she represents. And Linda Carter does too. So Linda Carter's a great resource to tap for insight into the character and the fact that she's coming on board. Fans are going to love it. Uh, you know, fans from the old series, fans of Gal Gadot, everybody's going to love the idea of Linda Carter coming back. So I think this is a, a win-win, and uh, yeah, it should be fun. I, I love the idea that she's going to be involved. Oh, what about you? I think it's a really smart idea. I, I love what you were just saying about the fact that, yeah, you know, you read through the story, you you know what has been going on since the first movie, and Linda Carter's been in her corner and been a great source of saying, hey, you've done this before. You You know the challenge of taking on a character like this, and what the responsibilities are that go with it. And from what you know of the character, be my sounding board. And and I love that that's developed into her making a great guest appearance in the uh, 1984. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing, you know, what we can lend and portray with a bit of history that's also timeless because of that great TV history. Man, um, it's fun stuff to look forward to with Wonder Woman 3. As they point out in the article, uh, Gal Gadot's a little bit busy. 
playing uh, an upcoming role <laughs> and playing an evil character or bad guy character, which would be fun. But hopefully once that's over and that window opens up on the calendar, we'll be telling you news about Wonder Woman 3 starting production and, you know, all that fun stuff we love to share. Speaking of fun stuff and sharing is the announcement that uh, there has been the recent sharing of Harley Quinn concept art with a grittier take on the Margot Robbie, uh, Robbie, uh, I always do that with names, <laughs> Margot Robbie uh, portrayal of the character in Suicide Squad. Brad, what did you think about these images and the new, new or the different take on Harley? Uh, you know, you said grittier, and yeah, grittier, but also a little bit, I don't know if I want to word, use this word, but a little bit sleazier. It, it kind of reminds me of like uh, an 80s hair metal band. Like she should be hanging out in 1983 going to see Motley Crue at the Rainbow Room. Um, it's it's cool, but I kind of like what they went with better. Uh, it's... Uh, you know, I, I think even what they went with stands out more just because it's a lot different than your than kind of the comic book version. But this concept art is also a little bit closer to the comic version. So I don't know. I'm, I'm glad they went with uh, what they did. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I do agree that this is a little bit closer to the comic version. But then when I look at the, uh, the the cut of the uniform, it feels more like a uh, gymnastics uniform than than anything. I mean, the style of the it's not a leotard, unitard, um, and and the cut of it, and it's a little more risque. Not border anything like bad, but it just feels like it's a little more sexualized, I guess. And and with that. I do see some connections to uh, the character at different iterations, but yeah, I also feel like something about the bat behind the head with the hands hanging over, it definitely feels like a, a hair metal uh, <laughs> or a hairband, like sort of poster image, right? Like, I don't know, like there should be someone else standing next to you, like doing the serious and someone else like doing the hand signal. And I forget in yeah. this one, get the tongue out. you know what I mean? Like, I kind of yeah. feel like that. Should be, like, ah, and you're like, Okay, rock on. Right. Yep. Um, so <laughs> with that, um, interestingly enough, that's not the only conversation we're having about looks. Apparently, there was a very different version of Jared Leto as the Joker that could have appeared in the uh, David Ayers version of the movie and the franchise. And instead we went with or they went with the one that viewers know best well because it's the only one we've seen except now there is a different version to consider it's available we've seen it brad what'd you think nope um man <laughs> you know the the look of the jared leto joker that we got was controversial enough and fans complained about complained about it from the first time it was released but this this would have been so much worse um i just like what were they thinking so yeah i i think they were wise to go with what they did uh between the tattooed eyebrows and the grill i don't know man i think uh 
I think we uh, we dodged a bullet. Uh, what about you? <laughs> I, I I would say so. I, I mean, it, I do enjoy the fact that there's something about it that feels. It kind of feels like the uh, the current Harley Quinn series where she's got the the kind of sidekick character. Um, he's kind of like her, yeah, buddy henchman number two, and he's got like this like Joker clown tattoo, kind of like chin to neck thing. And there was just something about the the way that was drawn on him that that I I noticed with the Jared Leto version. And I just sort of chuckled like, all right, I, I could see like if he was just in the mirror for a minute, grab some some kind of marker paint device and then drew that stuff on. But it doesn't have this sort of, I don't know, the mixture of style and sloth, like a messy, but also with an intention. Like this just seems like I woke up this way. (laughs) I drew on the stuff and here we go. And I don't know. I, I feel like what we got was was a much better version. I definitely feel like this one would have been severely derided if it had actually made it on the screen. And it also feels like if if I'd seen it on screen, I would have I would have seen a much different portrayal of Joker because of that. Like there's something about the way that style of clothing makes me think that, you know, the direction they were considering having him play was vastly different as well. Now I'm like, okay, so when do we get that screen test? When do we get to see that video clip of him dressed like that and just how different it would have been if it would have been that different? Or was it just a style thing? Because now I'm trying to picture him saying all the lines from the movie and it doesn't work in that outfit. It just doesn't vibe. Like it feels like you would have a different script direction for the character and different dialogue. I I don't know. That's me. Um, (laughs) With that, we also have another story from Jared Leto and I'm a little confused because the headline says he walks back gifts, but I felt like it was a little confusing. Like, I I guess maybe he was exaggerating and then it wasn't. But then there's some parts of it that seem like it's close enough that it wasn't really exact. I don't know. What did you think about this story and the idea that he gave gifts but didn't give gifts or they weren't as bad? Or what do you got? I I don't know if I believe him. I, I, I don't know. There's something about those stories that came out during the production of the first Suicide Squad uh, of what he was doing, because he was he sent like Margot Robbie a dead rat. And I think she said in a few interviews that she still had it, that kind of thing. Uh, it just seemed very believable. So I don't know, maybe it was just a big marketing ploy and, you know, just to get people interested in his Joker. That could be. So I, I don't really know who to believe. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, I, I don't know whose uh, whose story I buy. What about you? I mean, <laughs> when he first mentions, you know, that it was, you know, gross stuff and then and then he sort of they say walks it back and then they start describing what the gifts are that I mean, they're pretty close to his original description. It's a little weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they're trying to take the sting out of it, make it seem less gross or creepy, um, but it, it also feels like very juvenile, like very, I don't know like 10 to 11, 10 to 13 kind of thing, depending on, you know, how uh, how wild and crazy you and slash your friends were at a certain age. But it, it feels very prankish. And, and the Will Smith one just made me chuckle. Like, that totally seems like something yeah. that you would just yeah. give as, like, a gag gift to somebody. And then I wonder about the uh, the rodent. Like, 
okay, you could send an alive one, but if you tell it to someone and they say, was it dead? And that's what everyone hears afterwards. And you're like, okay, well, that's the story now. I mean, that's sort of the thing I get about, you know, a couple of these where you just sort of go, wow, depending on who you tell it to and how you tell it, what happened and what other people take from it could be a very different thing. So (laughs) I just sort of feel like I have even less understanding than I did before. I just am reminded that those stories came out and I'm like, wow, all right, we're still talking about it. I don't know why, you know, um, maybe someone give me just some context at some point, like did something happen? Was he called out? Were they considered inappropriate or, you know, some other thing anyhow with that <laughs> we have our final movie uh <laughs> news story here for you and it's the fact that you know given the opportunity certain people would love to go back and play roles we were just talking about henry cavill saying he put on the superman costume well guess what halle berry would like another shot at catwoman although this time behind the camera bad what would you think about this uh topic of conversation uh, uh interesting uh, you know, she has, um, I think actually this week she has her first movie coming out on Netflix that she directed. So I will hold off on saying what her talents are as far as a director goes until I see that, but I don't see why she couldn't do it. But one thing that jumped out at me that intrigued me about this was that she said that she wanted to try something different where, uh, Catwoman saves the world and not just ladies' faces from cracking off. And that was always, the, the plot of the first one was always so bad that I, I would kind of like to see this Catwoman save the world. So I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to see where she goes with it. Uh, what about you? I would definitely be interested in a story like that. Yes, there, there was... Um, that was one of the glaring issues with the original. And also, it, what I've seen recently from the uh, Ram V storyline regarding Catwoman, she can save the world. Like, hands down. No problem. Um, what I've seen of her is just someone who chooses where she wants to put her efforts. And when she does, she's rarely matched and even then rarely outmatched. And I would love to see her getting involved in some like awesome international heist kind of situation or um, maybe being brought in to do one thing and realize just how bad it is and go, nope, this is where Catwoman saves the world. And I think it would be an awesome story. I mean, between the physical skills, between the thinking, between her understanding of the criminal element and her ability to always land on her feet when it comes to a scenario in which you know people are going to get burned um that's huge now the idea also of Halle Berry taking what she experiences as an actor stepping behind the camera and telling that story especially given you know what she wanted to do with the first one what she wants to do with this one and what she's learned in between I think that could be a huge possibility I think you've also brought up a great point you know let's see what her um newest attempt and this is her first directing experience, right? The movie that's coming out this week. Yeah, I mean, as far as I, I, I don't know if she's ever directed any TV, but this is her first feature film. Yeah. Cool. I'm not going to hold you accountable. I'm not going to come back next week and be like Brad lied. Actually, yeah. She did a student film, okay? Um, <laughs> so 
with that in mind, I'm just going to say, yeah, I, I think because I, I wasn't aware of her doing anything else, this would be my first experience with her as a director. I'd love to see what she does. And if I think it works, well, then, yeah, tell me more about your Catwoman idea. Sell me on a great story and I'll watch it, you know, especially because you've already proven to me what you can do. And now you've told me what you want to do. If I buy both, I'm in. I'll buy a ticket. I'll be there. And that's our last movie news topic and segment for this week. We've still got some other news coming your way, TV and streaming, and then a little bit more down the road. Leading things off for our TV and streaming news, we have an announcement that, Brad, I really want your take on because, um, well, let's let's just see. We have the announcement that the Dead Boy Detectives spinoff is going to recast the characters that we saw in Doom Patrol, who I thought were pretty good. And now I got to know what Brad thinks. So, Brad, what do you think? Uh, yeah, um, I, I thought they were good, too. I, you know, um, <laughs> this story doesn't really tell us much uh, as far as what happened. Uh, you know, I it, it's kind of a bummer just that a they were good and b this will probably delay the production so it's going to be even longer before we see it and it just also makes me a little nervous that maybe there's other things going on behind the scenes that are kind of putting this production in danger so i just kind of wish i knew a little bit more uh what about you yeah i would like a little bit more i i i'm not really sure it seems that there is um some sort of focus regarding the casting announcement that they were making. Um, you know, the the decision to have a casting call for characters that I'm trying to think now, you know, if I can identify the big differences, uh, especially like I, I know one they wanted to be, um, I think it may be a little bit older than the the age of the, the ones, the actors that we saw on Doom Patrol. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I am curious, as, as you described, like, okay, um, what's happening and why is it happening? And what's your intention now? Like, what is it that uh, you've discovered that, that makes you think like, okay, we need to change the direction we were going in because of either feedback we got or maybe whoever's going to be telling this story in the spinoff. And they're like, yeah, I liked what you did there, but this is what I want to do. And then they went with a different casting. But Without more information, I'm left with this feeling of what what the other guys do, because I thought they did good. <laughs> like, why don't they work? I, th I thought it was a good casting choice. I liked their portrayals. And that was really one of my first introductions to the characters. I hadn't experienced them before. I know you had. So that's why I was kind of like, well, what's Brad say? Because I'm, I'm a neophyte. So with that. <laughs> Anything else to add, my friend? Uh, no, no, just I, I, I think I agree with everything you said. Um, uh, and I, I am anxious to see these characters come back, you know, because I am such a fan of all the kind of Sandman world characters. So, yeah, I just hope this gets worked out. Yeah, same. Um, speaking of yet another actor willing to return to their role, except this time in the... TV side of things is a recent interview with uh, 
Superman, the animated series voice and star, Tim Daly. Reflecting on the value of the character he was able to bring to life and why he feels Superman is just as important, if not more important now. Brad, what do you think of this interview and the uh, things revealed in the conversation? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this interview. Uh, you know, because he, he was kind of an iconic Superman in his way that uh, he, he should get more respect for that, I think. Like Kevin Conroy with the Batman animated series, you know, he he kind of is looked up as one of the best Batman, and and you can't un you know you can't um, discount Tim Daly's performance with the Superman animated series. So it was kind of nice to get his perspective. It would be cool, like he said, that he would be he would love to have a crack at it again. It would be cool if somehow they can find out a way for that to work. Whether you know he could. Uh, play uh, another character or, you know, somehow just it just bring him back in some way. I think that would be um, that would be cool to keep him in the world. Uh, and, yeah, it just also brought back to me how important those DC animated series were to fans and how how many people they got into these characters and reading comics. So, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a fun read. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I was I was really interested in the the way he was brought on to the project through one of the writers on the show Wings that he was on at the time and how that was a great transition for him when uh, that project dropped and he still had he still had the uh, Superman the animated series. It was interesting to hear about his perspective of that experience because so much of it sounded like it was either alone or maybe with one other actor, except for a few rare occasions. Could you actually be with the ensemble and sort of enjoy that energy and experience their performances? And I would imagine that has to be a little bit difficult as an actor if you transition from um, whether it's movies or, or live action. Because he had an interesting career in that I believe his big role, like sort of shining moment, was Diner. And then he transitioned on into a few other projects before Landing Wings. And I don't know if that was taped in front of a studio audience or not, but I feel like in the episodes I caught, there there was, I believe, an audience. So, you know, performing for people like that in a live way, like you get the response, you sort of hone your performance accordingly. And for voice, not nearly the same, especially if you're doing it without any other actors. And that was really interesting. But I also found it interesting too that he, he took some bright notes like yeah you could also edit yourself in the moment you could actually like analyze if you wanted to do a retake instead of waiting for a director to watch the dailies and come back and say yeah so here's what we're going to do differently like there was a satisfaction in perfecting it and then going on and, and what you said about the idea of a future one man i i don't know if they're teeing it up or not or just seeing how we vibe off it but <sighs> tell me if this is a crazy idea Superman, Son of Kal-El, animated series? That's exactly what and I, with I that, know it's funny. I'm I, I was going to bring that up, and I, but I didn't. I thought, you know, but that that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking would be a cool place for him to come back. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't imagine something more timely. And I, I think you could, you know, just keep him around instead of having him go off to do the uh, War World story. Like, you could really have a fun father-son story. 
and take advantage of sharing a different take on the dynamic, just like we've had the chance to enjoy with Lois and Superman. So, yeah, I think it would be a huge advantage for fans. I, I think they would eat it up. I know I would. And uh, <clears throat> Warner Brothers, Brad and I will negotiate our residual with you off air for our, uh, you know, development fee. And with that, we're actually going to go to that negotiation while we take a quick ad break. And then we'll be back because we've got more coming right your way in just a moment. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Bug. A Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. 
picture this someone who knows nothing about comics someone who knows comics from movies tv and video games a complete ultra comics nerd you pick the character you want us to talk about you send us the questions you want answered you make the show a podcast by fans for fans making new fans superheroes or dummies part of the comics in motion podcast network this is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Bug. A Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nards. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. 
Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. And as promised, we are back. Hello and welcome. It's the remaining segments, the second half, the yeah, we just got through movies and TV and streaming, but we still have comic book and even a little bit of that section we call other and leading things off for you. Oh, yeah. You're listening to DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. That's right. I'm Seth Singleton, your host. You're here with Brad Flicky, but I know you didn't go anywhere. So. Maybe I'm just saying that for my benefit. I don't know. It could happen. Let me know if you notice me slipping. Before I do, comic book news leading us off. A a new story that I'm really excited about, and I can't wait to hear bad thoughts. Shazam is now going to become Mary Marvel as the new champion of Shazam, the one who will be bearing the lightning and sharing all the stuff you you have come to know and love about Billy Batson. Well... It's Mary Marvel's turn. Brad, what do you think about this announcement and the upcoming series that will be going with it? Oh, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, and they had the cover and the character design is great. It's so there, there's something so timeless about her costume uh, that makes it feel uh like I said, very classic, but also very modern. So I really love the the design of the character. I just uh, I love the idea too of this character getting into the spotlight more. Um, I, I think Mary Marvel's kind of a fan favorite with a lot of Shazam fans, so it is really kind of fun to see her get the spotlight. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. What about you? Definitely, I've been curious to to try and like for the longest time. I've been thinking, so where are they going with this Shazam? And Titan storyline, where there's all this stuff happening with the Rock of Eternity and yeah. and so many other things. Like, what what could be what could it be leading to? And now I feel this is where it is. Like, for whatever reasons they will be, Billy is going to say, "Hey, um, it's your turn. I need to take care of whatever I need to take care of." And there needs to be a, a new person wearing the Shazam mantle. And Mary, I choose you. That, you know, or pass it to you or ask you to bear the responsibility, however it's going to play out. I love the transition. Um, I love the fact that uh, we're going to go ahead and get Josie Campbell and Doc Shaner. Um, <laughs> that's going to be some really fun art. And, yeah, the, the, the really just wonderful and iconic design of that costume and and the way she just embraces the the lightning that way. Man, it's it's some pretty exciting stuff. I mean, I'm really happy to hear this announcement. It answers some questions for me, and it gives me a lot to look forward to. And I think, I'm pretty sure that the uh, story pointed out that the series will be coming, I think, in February. That sound about right? Yeah. Yep, February 8th, 2022. So not too far away. The new champion of Shazam, it's going to be a one, or number one will be coming out. It's going to be a four-issue limited series. And I hope it turns into a lot more because, um, man, <laughs> this is a good direction for DC to be moving in. And I love the development of these stories. You know, they, 
we were talking a little while back, there was that whole 5G plan and, and a new uh, cadre of heroes, next generation. And it seems like some parts of that are happening still in whatever form compared to what they were. You know, with Superman, Son of Kal-El, with Superman going to War World, with this story as well, I feel like we're seeing some other transitions where it's like, hey, there's still a new generation coming up. That hasn't stopped. It's just the, the roles that the iconic characters have played before are changing. And with that, you need someone, you know, a new uh, character and a new story to step in and take the next version, the next role. I, I think it's a really smart move. And right now, what I love is that the story stuff has been huge. Like, it's really connected. Like, it's like, okay, this isn't just some, this is a sales grab. This is a gimmick. This is, they're, they're really saying, what more can we keep doing with these characters? So, yeah, exciting news. I'm going to calm down because apparently my coffee is just kicking in and I promise I'll be okay. But then there's this next story, which will probably get me just as excited because Frank Miller is returning to the Batman Dark Knight Returns, as they call it, playground. I'm going to call it sandbox. And it's all about Carrie Kelly and her standalone graphic novel. Brad, what do you think about this announcement and uh, the details they cover? Oh, man. Uh, I, I love this idea. I always really like the Carrie Kelly Robin, and I always love Dark Knight Returns, but doing a YAA graphic novel set in that world, that's going to be tricky. But, um, and seeing, and in the hands of Frank Miller, how he approaches that, that's going to be very interesting. Um, uh, you know, I, I loved every time that he's returned to the world. Uh, there's always been, even if they haven't, hasn't all been great, there's always been some really cool things in each one. Um, so the more you want to continue in that world, uh, I'm down. So yeah, I, I'm interested in this and curious to see how he's going to pull it off. Oh, what about you? I am as well. I, I really liked his, uh, his take on Robin. I love the story of Carrie Kelly. I also really enjoyed, um, he had a recent Superman um limited like black label and i was really drawn to it there was something really interesting about the way he approached the character so after experiencing that and then knowing what it means to return to a place where you've done so well and told so many you know legendary stories and then take one character and then this really interesting perspective we we haven't seen before this idea of like how does she enter the world and what is batman like for her, you know, and I like this idea that there's going to be a bit of a a bend to what we might expect regarding how she sees him. And also this sort of fun um, concept of is he even there? <laughs> and that's going to be an interesting thing, because I can imagine, depending on what's going on, in the events of the story, it could feel like maybe he's somewhere else. Maybe there's a mystery about where he was and and what he's doing now or you know what it's like when you remember someone so clearly that it could be as if they're standing right next to you no matter where they actually are so all of that sounds like a really fun take and it's a positive story for us to lead into our next story which is a little less positive simply because well we don't like delays and this one is about delays i'm talking about justice league incarnate and um and the fact that we've just got a bit of a well, a little bit of a pause for the first two issues. Sometimes it happens. Brad, what do you think about this announcement? 
how you doing on the patience thing? You got any tips for anybody out there who's, you know, trying to figure it out? You know, I I was a fan of the Infinite Frontier uh, miniseries. And from what I can see, it hasn't got a lot of traction online. I haven't heard seen too many people talking about it, but I really enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to uh, to these issues. So it is a bummer that they're delayed, but it's not that it's not that big of a delay. So, you know, we'll deal with it. And as of right now, at least, uh, Incarnate Issue 3 is still sticking to its January 4th release date. Uh, so that's that could be a good sign. But it's never fun talking about delays. Uh, what about you? I mean, given the supply chain stuff we were talking about recently and the other concerns that have yeah. been raised about titles, you know, it's totally understandable. I, I get that it's going to happen. No one, No one likes it, but... You know, there's what we like and there's what happens. <laughs> there's what we control and there's what we can't. So I, I think, um, you know, while it's disappointing, it, it also just sort of adds to the uh, anticipation. Oh, man, so much closer, so much closer. You know, OK, delay. That's OK. It's still coming, right? It's still coming. And I think that's what's going to be leading me forward. Like, yeah, bummer. Um, disappointing. Yeah. Frustrating. But. Is it still coming? Yeah. So I can hang my hat on that. I really can. I could just sort of smile and be like, yeah, it's going to be okay. It's still coming. It's just delayed. Be patient. It all pays off. And who knows? Maybe that gives you a chance to enjoy some other titles in the meantime. I mean, you know, some people are actually a little bit worried that that maybe some characters could disappear. In fact, our, our next story saying that Superman fans have been assured that there is no shady backdoor corporate plan to replace him at DC. Um, okay, uh, now I feel foolish because I didn't even know there was speculation about a shady backdoor plan. <sighs> this is what I get for not paying more attention. Brad, did you know about this shady backdoor plan concern or if well, not, or if yes, what did you think about this story? I, I did think that there was definitely more of a light shown on Jonathan Kett these days, but the stories have all been good, so I, I really like to see that character evolve and and um, be, you know become popular. But I know that there's no way that they're going to completely ever replace Clark Kent as Superman. You'll always have a Clark Kent. It's the multiverse. It's comics. Even if Clark Kent went away for a little while, there's no way he would stay away forever. Just wait a little bit. Uh, that's, you know, that's part of the fun of reading comics. So, yeah, Clark Kent is not going anywhere, even if they were trying a sneaky uh, backdoor corporate plan. I think uh, Clark Kent is safe. Uh, what about you? I think he's safe as well. I, I... <laughs> I think I, I think I remember seeing some like because I follow Philip Kennedy. He's one of those people I get a huge kick out of. Philip Kennedy Johnson on Twitter. And I remember someone put something like, "Is this all part of some like thing? You're you're doing it all so you can destroy Superman?" He's like, "Yep, you're right. I worked my tail off as a writer, striving, waiting, finally get my chance to have Superman. And it's all been part of a diabolical plan to destroy." Him. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like. Very sarcastic as far as like, yeah, I spent all this time and effort just so I could get there and then ruin it all. No, that's not what he's going for. And I love that the story has to start out with, I will not betray you. Like, just you can make sure. <laughs> Guys, 
<sighs> Please listen to Brad. It's going to be okay. Why would? Why would? And I think he mentioned that too in one of his responses. Why would you take the best-selling character and then, uh, on top of it, get approval if you pitch the idea of getting rid of him to DC? Like that. That just doesn't. I mean, you can get into the whole quibbling thing about you know who's a bigger character, Superman or Batman. But I, I really don't think you're going to look at taking either of those characters off the board for any reason. And even if you did for a short period of time, like you suggested the possibility of Brad, it would always be a known thing that he's coming back. I don't, uh, you know, earlier Henry Cavill said Superman is more than skin color. And I'll say Superman is more than time. He's timeless. That's just it. There will always be a Superman. That's just how it is. And I'm pretty sure that maybe 100 years from now, you might be able to get away with getting rid of Clark Kent. But I don't see it happening in anything less than 100 years. And you know what? In 100 years, they probably come up with some amazing stuff and and he stays longer. So with that, I smile, I chuckle. And I'm assured that no, Kennedy Johnson is not going to betray us and now I have to chuckle at the idea that apparently there was this grand concern about some shady backdoor <laughs> plan to get rid of them. I, uh, guys, guys, uh, can you imagine if we took this kind of energy into saving the world? Like, what could we accomplish? Just considering the possibility. Just throwing it out there. Next time you hear a crazy story like that, what if you take the same effort and going through it to maybe, I don't know, solve world hunger or some other problem? probably pull it off if we all combined our efforts with that there's also always fun things to look forward to with like you know cool pictures because sometimes in comics you get cool pictures and we recently had the chance to take a look at batman and robin's early years the upcoming uh new lemire and win series brad what did you think about these previews we got to see i I love the watercolor aspect to it. Uh, and it did, you know, it, it did remind me of Ascender and Descender, their other project uh, that Lemire and, uh, and Yen has. So, uh, yeah, I, I really dig the art. And the issue, first issue was was really good. I I think it might stand up there with the other year one stories. So, yeah, I, 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 I dug everything about it. What about you? Yeah, they they're absolutely gorgeous. I, I love what you point out about the the watercolor. That that one shot of Robin with the arm like behind him and Batman sort of in the background dropping. It's it's just it's like watching someone fly <laughs> or something fly. There's just a certain amount of majesty to it. And uh, with that, I just I just really chuckled like, wow, this looks absolutely gorgeous. And you know, I wanted confirmation of that that image right there the others yes but that one um yeah sky the wind all of it just takes me right there and it it makes me think like man as i always thought as a kid like how thrilling that's your life you're doing that you know um (laughs) what a wonderful idea and and with that I, i have to enjoy the fact that that's our last story from the comic book section of the weekly podcast we still have a couple of stories to bring with you and unfortunately um story we had about the uh the actor who played 
cases is not the only sad news we have to report. It's also been announced and released that Dean Stockwell, the voice of Tim Drake in Return of the Joker, has passed away. He was 85. Brad? Oh, man. Uh, what a bummer. I mean, he was so beloved in kind of the nerd community. Uh, you know, not only did he did he voice Tim Drake in Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, he's also uh, Cylon in Battlestar Galactica and, of course, in Quantum Leap. So, yeah, he had a lot of love in in our world. And it's just it's a shame. Uh, it seems like these days at 85 almost feels young when somebody passes away when they've done so much. So it's just, yeah, it feels like, um, I, I don't know, even, even at that age, he had a lot more to give. So, uh, you know, like you said before, you know, our thoughts are with the families, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a bummer. What about you? Yeah. I mean, again, the gift 70 years in acting, you know, yeah. since the age of seven uh, time on Broadway, and uh, my first introduction to him was my childhood friend. He was a huge Quantum Leap fan, like such a big fan. But the books after the series went off the air, like he he just he loved it. I think they did a, a maybe a special a year or two after it ended. And he was such a big fan. So that's how I was first aware of, of Dean Stockwell. And then I started to just see him in other things. And yeah, man, Battlestar. Goodness. He was so good. I mean, that was such a good show on top of it. But his portrayal was you know, magnificent. It, it was an absolute delight. And um, it, it's it's always hard. And yes, I, I share my thoughts and, and best wishes to the family. But also, what an amazing body of work that you can always remember and share and experience. And what a gift that that person that you knew and loved was able to share so much of what they knew and loved with us. Yeah, it, it, it's a gift. We're lucky and grateful. So um, with that, I know sometimes these are sad stories, but I'm always reminded of the fact that there, there was a lot of light that they brought to the world and we can still enjoy that because they were so unselfish. Like they, they just said, here, this is what I'm great at. And now you get a part to, or a chance to take a part and share in it. Um, on a lighter note, we have an announcement coming out regarding Iron Studios and the Nightmare Batman mini co figure. Man, I have thoughts and opinions, but I'm going to start with Brad. Any fashion notes, Mr. Flicky? I I do love the sculpt of the way the the way the coat seems to be blowing in the wind. And he's got the card in his hand. <laughs> Those are good things. Definitely agree. Uh, <laughs> but I had to get your, your thoughts on that because I was like, come on, man. Fashion. Look at this. You got to be digging on it, right? Yeah, I, I love the way that the jacket is like blowing in the wind and how he has the card in his hand. And uh, if I had to choose an adjective, I would call it cute. It's it's somewhere between a Funko Pop and like an action figure that your little nephew can play with. Um, but yeah, the sculpt is cool. I like the goggles as well. 
Yeah, I I, uh, I like the design of it. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I don't know if everyone if, if everyone's like, yeah, we've got a cute version of Nightmare Batman from Snyder. I'd be <laughs> like, wow, that seems like, what? Why would you do that? And then I see this and I think, why wouldn't you do this? It's so, yes, it's very cute. It's downright adorable. Um, <laughs> and I love the description you gave. Yeah, it's a bit of a combination between a pop and an action figure. But man, there's just something really cool about the way he looks. Um, the wind, the coat, the card, I totally agree with. But there's something about the poise and the expression on his face and everything else. I don't know, man. It's just, uh, I don't collect collectibles, but man, stuff like that just really, really, really makes me want to. You know what I mean? Like, you're just mm-hmm. like, Wow. That's so good. Oh, goodness. But if I get in there, does that mean I have to go in all the way? Well, probably. And who doesn't want to? Like, it, it seems like it's worth it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that one just brought a smile to my face, man. Like, I love when Josh drops stuff in there like that. It's so easy. It's so much fun. It's it's a great thing to talk about. And it allows me to have a smile on my face as I turn around and bring us to our final other story that we've got coming to you for uh in this week's episode and uh it's an interesting one because it's not loading on my phone while i'm trying to read it <laughs> so i'm stalling for a second while i'm like come on headline all you have to do is load and the screen's like halfway there like i can see some iconography and There it is. Zero Star announces Batman versus the Joker statue. Ah, did you enjoy that dramatic pause? I hope you did. Now that you've given us your time, some really fun fashion thoughts and others. Mr. Bad Felicky. Bad, what'd you think, my friend? Oh, man. These are the things that makes me want to collect statues. This is... Uh, incredible. It looks very, the Batman at least, looks very Dark Knight Returns inspired, speaking of Frank Miller. Um, I love the way the detail on the cape and the blood on the hand that he's punching the Joker with. Uh, it's incredible. I, I see why people go crazy for these statues. Uh, yeah, the detail is is amazing. Uh, what about you? The detail is amazing, and I love the description you gave. Like, yeah, you know, there's this, there's that, there's the blood on the hand. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great detail to point out in the statue. I mean, it's amazing. You've got, you know, Batman clearly on top of Joker. I mean, so many muscles popping out of that costume as he draws back a fist for what clearly looks like it's going to be the one that makes, you know, Joker swallow all of his teeth. Um, as you said, we can easily see why. Fans go nuts, and uh, at a retail price of $350, you have to decide for yourself whether that is sane, not sane, nuts, your choice, whatever descriptive word you choose to go with. Um, <laughs> uh, interesting note, I, I wasn't aware that apparently Koto uh, Bukio was originally reported to be involved, and, and now it's only Zero Star. Um, I'm such a... Uh, well, unaware person when it comes to the difference between the two companies that I don't even know what that means. But if you do and you're familiar with the distinction, well, let us know. We'd be curious to think about what your thoughts are now that it's uh, one over the other or what the difference means for you. 
for me, um, I'm just trying to figure out how it is or was or would be that I could ever convince my wife, like, yeah, honey, this is how much I'm spending on this statue. Pause for reaction. And then, you know, you know when I get away with it, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> I was just going to say that, you know, considering the price of some of these statues that we've talked about on this podcast, that's kind of reasonable. So... If you talk to your wife about it, but just let her know that, that that's not a bad price. I will. I, mean, that's I think some of these were like point. 800, 900. I think some. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it sells it. No, I think you're right. I think if I did, if I was like, hey, hey, look, you know, these ones are all coming in at like the, you know, 900 to three grand price. This is a steal at 350. Like, it's like they're practically giving it away. I don't know. She might go for it. Like, there's a possibility. I've also negotiated quite a number of situations for my wife when she's found some cool thing on sale, whether it's retail, clothing, or something else. And she's like, is this just irresponsible? And I'm like, no, if you dig it, if it's what you care about, go for it. So I'd probably take that hand at that moment and be like, remember all those times I told <laughs> I need some of that backup right now. I need yeah. to hear that. That's what I need you to say. I need you to say, hey, you deserve it. You're into it. You, Yeah. So we'll see if that happens. If it does, I'll get back to you. And trust me, I'll share pictures and I'll do some bragging. And then I'll probably have to lock it away in a safe or something. But that's me. I'm going to go ahead and move on from that because that's what that is. Our final story for this week's episode of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. It's been episode number 141. It's been a joy hanging out with you. And you've been here for all 141. Well, we love you just as much as if it's your first episode. And if you want to stick around, we're going to leave you all the great ways to find out how to do that. But first, I want to thank Mr. Brad Felicki, who on more than one occasion, it's just been he and I and having a great time and he always has so many cool insights not just fashion but so many more on top of it that you might want to follow up with him and should you want to brad's going to give you a little bit of i don't know maybe a tip on on how to do that brad any yeah, suggestions can, for anyone who wants to follow up a conversation with you yeah you can uh follow me on twitter at flicky b1 uh can uh, come over to dccomicsnews.com and uh, read some of my news and reviews. And you can also hear me on the Mad Love podcast, part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And where can people find you? You can find me hanging out here most weeks on the weekly podcast. And when you're looking for me elsewhere, you can find me hosting the Spinner Rack, my top five picks from DC Comics each and every week, or on Mad Love where we get just a little bit rowdier. Okay, maybe a lot rowdier. Okay, your choice on if we get a little or a lot. With that, um, <laughs> those are the best places to find me. You can also catch me writing reviews for DC Comics News. And sometimes I just show up places. I don't even know how or why. It just happens. So, you know what? The best advice we have, there's a subscribe button. Whatever platform you're listening to, hit it. If you already have, tell a friend. We're on all the big ones, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, iTunes, Google, all those guys, and all almost all the others. So whatever you're listening to, subscribe, tell a friend, subscribe, and make sure you never miss upcoming episodes of the weekly podcast, all of our other great programming, which we encourage you to check out. And there you have it. You'll never miss. Now, when it comes to maybe continuing the conversation with all of us, you're just sending a message our way. 
you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms, whether it's Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News. It's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Put the at symbol in front of all that, and you've got at DC Comics News. You send us a message, you send us a comment, you let us know what you're thinking. Ask us a question. We would love to have a great conversation with you. We always do. And with that, it's time for us to leave you with a quick reminder that we hope you take to heart each and every week. And that is to always read more comics. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun little echo. Hey, thanks, everyone. Always a great time hanging out with you. You guys take care now.